you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. Hi, this is Larry Mantle, host of Air Talk on KPCC. Since the start of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had a daily segment on Air Talk devoted to the latest information about COVID-19. As time's gone on, we've looked at vaccines and how the virus and pandemic have affected the lives of Southern Californians. That includes doctors, nurses, epidemiologists, and other medical professionals fighting the virus on the front lines. In each episode of this podcast, we'll speak with one of our experts on the rotating panel of AirTalk guests who will be sharing their expertise with us daily. You can also listen anytime at las.com kpcc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. With the very latest on COVID-19, with us from UCLA, Professor of Epidemiology and Community Health Sciences at the UCLA Fielding School of Public Health, Dr. Robert Kim Farley. He's also co-author of a brand new book, Public Health Emergencies, Case Studies, Competencies, and Essential Services of Public Health. Dr. Kim Farley, wonderful to have you back with us again on AirTalk. Larry, it's good to be here with you. Let's start, first of all, with the news yesterday from Governor Newsom that the temporary mask requirement for everyone in indoor public spaces will be allowed to expire next Tuesday. So for those folks who are fully vaccinated in counties that don't have their own mask mandate, they can go without a mask. What do you think? Well, I think it really shows the the progress that's now being made uh, against Omicron, that we're having a very fast drop off in numbers of cases. And I think that this uh, bodes well for us. What do you think about Los Angeles County continuing with its mask requirement further looking for the case rate to go down? I think it is also appropriate in one sense that you have the state at its level um, saying that these mandates can uh, no longer be done and imposed by the state. But that uh, doesn't mean that counties within the state that may be still experiencing uh, high rates of disease uh, can uh, not continue their masking mandates. And I think it's appropriate. And uh, the LA County has, you know, laid out some provisions. They want to see, um, you know, the number of hospitalizations drop to less than uh, 2,500 uh, a day. They want to see the rate of disease become uh, uh, into the moderate range rather than the high range as a, a metric used by the Center for Disease Control. So I think these things are, are appropriate, you know, a, a science-based, looking at what the situation is locally and making local determinations. What uh, what do you, you know, think about uh, concerns that we've heard from our listeners when we talked about the masking last hour? A number of them said because it, there's not going to be any way to determine whether someone is vaccinated or not, that that leaves them feeling vulnerable because their assumption is people who are unvaccinated will choose not to wear masks. Well, that's always a possibility. I think the main thing for people to understand that if they are uh, fully vaccinated and boosted, if eligible, uh, they really are not at very high risk anymore from severe illness or death. So I think that um, we hope that everybody will play their own role and uh, wear masks if they're not vaccinated indoors. 
But at the same time, I think there is some assurance for people that have been properly vaccinated uh, that they are in in good position for avoiding any severe consequences of this disease. We're talking with Dr. Robert Kim Farley of UCLA's Fielding School of Public Health professor and noted epidemiologist. We're at 866-893-KPCC. You can also email us at atcomments at kpcc.org. Please include your location and your first name. Uh, We have Suzanne in West Hollywood says, I'm still confused about our booster guidelines. Are we going to need to get boosters? every five to six months, or will it be annually like the flu? What's the current thinking, Suzanne asks. Suzanne, good question. Um, I think the jury is a little bit out about what will happen in the future with boosters. However, we clearly have the data that shows that after the two doses of, say, Pfizer or Moderna, uh, the antibody levels do drop. It is important to get that uh, booster. In fact, some people would say that that really is now a three-dose vaccine, given that we have the Omicron variant circulating. Um, and I think what will happen now is that we'll look out as those people who have had boosters and see how that antibody protection holds up or not. And uh, depending upon that, we can then go forward with making additional recommendations for boosters and the frequency of which those boosters should be, and whether, for example, even the booster vaccines should be tweaked in their formulations to include such things as the new variants. Linda in Los Feliz emailed us, seems to me when you compare the ways different states reacted to the pandemic, for example, California locking down with multiple mask mandates, Florida didn't, doesn't it seem the outcome haven't been very different? Any idea which methods of handling the pandemic actually proved to work out better than others? Well, actually, if you look at some of the data, you'll see that actually California, in terms of its death rates, for example, uh, is lower than many states that uh, did not practice uh, these efforts of lockdowns at the beginning or mask mandates, uh, things like this um, with, for example, in large school systems we have with LAUSD for vaccination of students. These things are protective. And so uh, I would urge you to look at some of these uh, data to see that, in fact, uh, we have done quite well. Uh, you've probably seen the the study. We had a listener ask about it again yesterday, and we talked about it last week, that uh, came from three Johns Hopkins researchers who uh, concluded that there was a minimal difference, that the, the number of lives that were saved by doing the economic lockdowns was, was minimal. Um, and it's not a peer-reviewed study, although we talk about a fair number of studies that aren't peer-reviewed here. But um, the, the professor that we're talking to uh, last week about this, Dr. Dean Blumberg said that, you know, one of the reasons that he discounted it was because they were economists. They weren't epidemiologists doing the study. Uh, You are an epidemiologist. What are your thoughts about that work out of Johns Hopkins? Well, I think the thing to realize is that uh, at the beginning of the epidemic, we are dealing with a new virus. We don't know how it's going to behave. Uh, We have to be able to adjust according to our knowledge as it increases, and also according to the virus itself as it mutates and changes. So I think that the methods that were put into a a place, for example, in in 19 March, we were one of the first states to have that lockdown was appropriate at the time. And I think we also now recognize with vaccines now available, um, you know, and new treatment methodologies uh, as well, 
that uh, we can relax some of these things um, because those people who wish to protect themselves, shall we say, you know, have had the opportunity to get vaccinated and be able to get that protection. So we can open up more and more. And I think as these case rates start dropping, either because of the fact that uh, people have already come down with Omicron are now immune because of natural disease or because they've chosen to be vaccinated, uh, we will see us in an ability to be able to come back to a more normal life. And I think, again, looking back, uh, there was a proper balance between the issue of uh, protecting the population and also trying to protect the economy by, again, providing things for unemployment and things like this uh, and for the uh, small business protection plans. Uh, it, it's not ideal. But again, it was a very difficult time. You know, with your new book, Public Health Emergencies, that's out, you know, looking at where we've been the past two years, what was your biggest takeaway of what you think we learned that we really didn't know about responding to a pandemic? Yeah, I think there are a number of lessons learned. I think, first of all, uh, we in public health and in government uh, need to do a better job uh, in terms of our communication strategies. Um, We need to realize that Uh, We need to have maybe better prepared the population that there will be changes in guidance as the knowledge increases about the virus and also the unexpected turns that have happened when the virus itself mutates, which may again change the needs for masking or vaccination, things like this. So I think that um, sometimes uh, public health was seen as flip-flopping in its decision-making because the community was not well set up to understand that look, these things are going to change over the time when we had first, you know, not wearing masks, then wearing masks that were cloth masks, and now wearing, you know, higher grade medical grade masks. All of these changes are based upon a knowledge of the virus and its changing um, role. I think also that um, we've learned that uh, we need to find this uh, proper balance between control measures and um, the virus in the sense that we do have an interesting virus with this 1% death rate. Um, you know, had it been 10 times less, you know, 0.1, like seasonal influenza, everyone, including public health, would have said, well, that's interesting. We need to follow this, but we don't need to shut the society down. Had it been 10 times more at 10%, like SARS is, um, then we would have said, oh my goodness, we've got to do more and more because so many of our loved ones and family and friends are dying. I think at the 1%, you had this controversy that got created and because of the politicization in the society was even more exacerbated with some uh, saying, well, look, uh, the 1% is something that can be tolerated. Uh, We can't close down businesses. We can't have our children not being in schools. Uh, Yet the other point is rightfully valid too, that look, every life is precious and we should do everything we can to save it. So I think that this tension has existed. And I think also the fact that there's a skewed distribution of who dies. It's mainly uh, the elderly, those with pre-existing medical conditions. Uh, Had it been like a 1918 Spanish influenza where it was the young people dying, that might have been different too. Mm -hmm. So these things all get set up um, to make a kind of controversy. All right. Uh, We have Ilana in Studio City. What do you think about the fact that um, people who are fully vaccinated still get Omicron and even long COVID? Does that have any bearing on the mask mandate? 
Well, I think that, uh, again, for those persons who are fully vaccinated, which would mean, you know, the full um, two doses of Pfizer or Moderna with the Johnson & Johnson one dose, and then boosted if eligible, again, the risks of severe illness and death are really orders of magnitude different. And so although it's not zero, um, I think for the most persons, we can uh, be pretty confident that it's going to be uh, saving us from severe disease and death. However, for persons who perhaps have, you know, pre-existing medical conditions, um, issues of immunity uh, status, uh, low, um, these sorts of things, they may wish to and it's appropriate for them to continue to wear masks indoors, even if the indoor masking requirement is dropped. Uh, we have a couple of listeners asking about uh, tracking people who test positive at home and don't get sick enough to ever go to the hospital. So how is that factored into the count of test pos- positivity and, um, you know, the whole um, accuracy of, of what people are really experiencing with the virus? Yes, the test positivity rate is going to uh, be somewhat artificially low uh, due to home testing being done and not necessarily being reported to public health. Um, I think perhaps as we go forward with this uh, pandemic, a more reliable figure is going to be the hospitalizations um, because that means you've got severe disease, those are being reported, and that trend can help us better understand what the trend is in the community. So I think that... uh, you know, we, we can still follow number of cases, still follow positivity rate. Those are important numbers. But again, they are not going to be as accurate in terms of the true trend as you see with hospitalizations and even deaths. So what do you think then about L.A. County Public Health using a positivity rate and uh, case rates per 100,000 as the threshold when it comes to their restrictions? Wouldn't it be better for L.A. County to use the hospitalization rate and the trend in hospitalization as as a better measure? Well, in a sense, they're planning to use both. They are going to look at uh, making sure that hospitalizations drop below that 2,500 a day rate. So that, in a sense, uh, has that measure in it. But I think it's also appropriate for them, even though it's not highly accurate, to continue to follow uh, the results of positivity and testing. Um, It does seem to still be able to give some uh, indication of what the situation is in the community, as well as the uh, number of positive cases. Not ideal, but I think still could be factored in, and they are factoring it in together with that hospitalization rate. The BA2 variant of Omicron is apparently spreading fairly rapidly in Europe. They don't seem to be particularly concerned about that, though. You know, what are the reasons um, that the spread of this subvariant doesn't seem to be raising the alarms that the spread of Omicron itself did? Good question, uh, Larry. I think that uh, firstly to recognize, as you pointed out, it is a subvariant. It's not a new completely class uh, difference in variants, which Omicron itself was. So um, it is looking as it is a variant of interest from the World Health Organization. It hasn't been listed as a variant of concern. We are learning more about it, but it appears to be maybe slightly more infectious, but again, does not appear to be any more uh, severity, uh, nor does it seem to have any more uh, elusiveness in terms of our vaccines. So I think until we had a situation where we were concerned that it was becoming more uh, serious, 
or that somehow it was eluding our vaccines, that's when the alarm bells would come out. But at this moment, uh, all the indications appear that that's not the case, and therefore it's just of, of interest, but is not going to be something to change our policies. Dr. Kim Farley, a final question for you. As you look at where we are with COVID-19, do you see anything that, uh, you know, on the horizon, short of a new variance development, uh, you know, a significant variant of concern that would keep us from seeing continuing reduced hospitalizations and cases? No, I think we are definitely on the right track here. Uh, I do caution in the sense that uh, the one thing I have found uh, that is predictable about COVID-19, and that's unpredictable. (laughs) So we never know what's around the corner, but I think that it's appropriate um, that we're beginning to loosen these uh, mask mandates. For example, the state level, I'm confident that we will soon get there here in Los Angeles County as well. And um, we can again go back to a more normalcy of life. We will do that faster if everyone will get vaccinated uh, and boosted if appropriate. And, uh, you know, be cautious when you're around uh, people in a very crowded indoor setting when they may be unvaccinated. Uh, Doctor, thank you so much for being with us again. We appreciate it and have a terrific rest of the week. You too. Thanks for listening to this episode of COVID in L.A. If you'd like to stay up to date with the latest coronavirus news, you can listen anytime at las.com, at kpecc.org, or subscribe wherever you download podcasts. See you next time and stay safe. I'm Larry Mantle. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.